Welcome to another exciting installment of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. On today's episode, we're excited to explore the intriguing topic of maintaining a skilled workforce, talent acquisition, and retention strategies for defense contractors. In the fast-paced and ever-changing world of defense, having a skilled and motivated workforce is crucial for success. As the industry embraces cutting-edge technologies and navigates emerging skill demands, Defense contractors and business owners face the challenge of attracting, nurturing, and retaining top talent. Join us as we embark on a fascinating journey to discover innovative approaches for talent acquisition, workforce development trends, and strategies to create a dynamic work environment. Our expert will share valuable insights on how defense contractors can stay ahead of the curve, harnessing the power of a skilled workforce to make a significant impact in the competitive landscape. Whether you're a seasoned defense contractor or an aspiring professional in the field, this episode promises to offer valuable guidance and actionable strategies that will shape the future of your workforce. Get ready to uncover the secrets of building and maintaining a skilled team in the defense contracting industry. Light the beam! We're joined once again today by that aforementioned expert, Mike Frieder, president of On-Call Compliance Solutions and a CMMC certified assessor. Thanks for joining us again, Mike. Hey, absolutely, Roman. My pleasure. So, Mike, as, as I mentioned in the intro today, we're talking about talent acquisition. Building a skilled and motivated workforce can make or break a business's ability to remain agile and adapt to changing trends. With that being said, in, in the rapidly evolving defense industry, what are the key skill sets that defense contractors are seeking to acquire and 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 retain in their workforce? Well, you know, I think there's uh, it's it's a very wide ranging question. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that uh, that defense contractors are, are looking for right now. Um, you know, number one is there. I mean, I'll tell you what, they're virtually every defense contractor that I know first and foremost is looking for reliable people who will show up and do the work. Um, I think that's, that's probably number one. Uh, and, you know, do that with a positive, good attitude is number two. Um, you know, I think the tolerance in the workforce today for people with toxic personalities, um, it's gone. You know, there's just really no room for a lot of the negativity that used to sort of pre-exist. Um, I know that at our company, we quite literally uh, will kick someone out of the, uh, of the tribe, if you will, if, um, you know, if, if they bring negativity to the table, I mean, obviously there's, there's whatever happens in the normal course of work, but we fired clients before because of it. We fired employees before because of it. Um, you just, you gotta have a good vibe and a good, a good place to come work. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be dedicating, you know, eight to 10 hours of your life every day to, to something. So I think a great attitude and staying positive is very, very critical. And then, of course, there's the actual skill set itself, right? You know, um, employers today are looking for people who, number one, they're, you know, employees are demanding more pay. But in exchange for more pay, the employers are going back and demanding, you know, more productivity for that pay. Um, so I think that certainly, you know, we talk a lot of, on this podcast uh, in the last couple of episodes about AI. I think that people are looking for those people who are intelligent enough to create good, solid prompts for things like ChatGPT. Um, I know that in our marketing department here, we do a lot of that. In our tech department, we do a lot of that as well. Um, our folks are able to leverage 
artificial intelligence to more quickly answer service tickets and to perform work quicker. Um, you know, those companies that are designing and manufacturing, you know, those design and engineering questions, a lot of that can be assisted with artificial intelligence. So um, I think that's sort of, you know, the next big massive skill set is can you go into a job interview? Can you go into a defense company and explain how you're going to augment your productivity with artificial intelligence, um, you know, and, and some of this kind of stuff. So I think those are, those are the ones that, you know, I think are going to get hired before, you know, the other folks are. And then I think another, another aspect of this is, you know, who's the employer, right? You know, are they a cutting edge company? You can be small and cutting edge, you know, size is irrelevant to most people. They want to know that they've got a, a good secure job and they can come in and make an impact. And believe it or not, people can make way bigger impacts in smaller companies than they can in huge companies. Um, and it's a big deal to, to be a part of that. So, you know, promising the ability to actually have impact and make meaningful change, I think is a big deal on the employer side. Um, and then finally, I think another aspect of this is, you know, uh, particularly if you're in an IT role or if you're if you're really touching any information at all, if you're in defense, there needs to be a culture of information security. I mean, that's just that's what the difference is between a, a defense contractor and everybody else is if the defense contractor has those obligations and private companies, um, you know, it's obviously a good idea, but they don't they don't by law have that kind of requirement. So I think another aspect of it is employees are going to want to join a company who understands and respects the idea of information security. And in fact, you can really use that as a competitive selling advantage for those people who are getting jobs. Um, interesting, my, my final thought is I was, I was watching one of my mentors talk about business and sticking points and things like that. And one of the things that they discussed was the idea that, um, you know, when it comes to hiring people, most people fail to create a hiring funnel. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who have reached any kind of substantial size understand the concepts of sales funnel, right? You have to kind of have things to get people or meet them wherever they are in their, in their journeys. Well, you know, talent acquisition requires a talent acquisition funnel. It's not just throwing out an ad and doing an interview. I mean, there should be a really nice rigid process for how people get through that process, how when they first get on the phone with a company, they should... I mean, the company should be selling itself to the prospect. Remember, that prospect is pitching themselves to hundreds of companies at a time. So the worst thing you could do is get three stages in, decide you want to hire somebody, and oops, they just took another job because you were too slow. Mm -hmm. And so I think you've got to really understand where is it, um, you know, what's your process like, and do you have a funnel, and um, do you have things that are working in a direction where, um, you know, you can really move people through the hiring process quickly. Can you convince people that you're really a better employer who's worth waiting for? Um, you know, what can you convince those folks of uh, when it comes to, you know, them coming through your hiring process? What is that experience like to be a prospective, uh, prospective, uh, you know, employee for your company? And I would definitely encourage, you know, you to map out that journey and, and maybe have a flow chart or, whatever it takes in order to be able to properly, you know, really identify that. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, companies taking too long. I have lost count of the number of jobs that I 
have applied for over the years that I just never heard anything back from positive or negative, just never heard from again regarding my application or in the situations where you get that email that says, Hey, you know, we're going to move in uh, another direction or, or we'd like to bring you in for an interview or whatever. And I have forgotten the job I applied for. Like I'll, I'll get an email from a company. of like, I, I applied for this job because it would be months later. Like there are, there, there are companies that take their sweet time and you just kind of forget that you even applied for this job, you know, kind of thing. So that yeah, definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story um, from on call. You know, we hired a gentleman who I thought was a really, really good hire. Um, and about three months into working for us, he left and, you know, we did an exit interview and we found out why he left. And, and the answer was that a year and a half prior, a year and a half prior he had applied to the Department of Homeland Security, and he felt that working for the government was going to be more stable. He was going to get paid more by us. And the reality is, is that we might be, you know, a private company, but we're, we got some pretty good size on us now. And, you know, stability is not an issue. It never has been. Um, but nonetheless, that was his perception. But the interesting thing is it took a year and a half to get hired by the government. I don't know what it is that takes the government a year and a half to hire somebody but that is an unacceptable process. I mean, I, I again, I just I would expect better out of the government when it comes to talent acquisition. And to and the reality is is that stuff like that really messes with a lot of people in the market. It messed with us in, in that particular case. And we had that position rehired in three weeks, and it was not the end of the world. Um, you know, we had put him through some training, and we lost some money on that situation. But you know, again those things happen and you have to watch out for them. So I think another thing when it comes to talent acquisition is you've kind of also got to ask, Hey, listen, where else have you applied to? You know, is, is there anywhere you've applied to, or if they said, yes, you would just up and quit my company. That's a really, really fantastic question. We have our HR people ask, you know, where else have you applied? Is there any job besides ours that you really kind of wish that you would get that you've applied for, you know, that you find more interesting than this? Um, you know, because if those people, you know, if they say yes, and they tell you about who it is, you've really got to weigh the likelihood that they may get hired by them. If you see the positive in them, so, so does this other entity, they may just have a longer hiring process. Um, talent acquisition has always been a challenge for companies. Uh, the good news is if you have the right culture, once you do get those people hired, uh, you know, the idea is that you can actually get them to stick around. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you that any, anybody that's got a super long hiring process, like if you're, if you're putting an application out there, if you're, if you're kind of dangling that bait of like, Hey, we're looking for somebody mine, you know, I would think it's, you need that person quick. I once just a quick story of my own. I once had, I was emailed by a CEO of a small company and he was like, hey, we saw your thing. We'd like you to apply. And so I applied. I did a phone interview with, with this guy. And then I didn't hear anything for a while. And then I I reached out and I was like, hey, is there any uh, um, further information on this? He's like, oh, we've decided not to hire this position. It's like, you you reached out to me. You interviewed me. And then you decide a months later without telling me that you're just not not gonna hire for that position but sometimes 
companies don't have a clear path of of where they're going to go and and it becomes evident to whoever they're trying to hire usually just as important as bringing in the right talent to your business is keeping the talent properly trained and prepared for what comes next so how can defense contractors invest in ongoing workforce development to ensure their employees remain up to date with the latest advancements and and industry best practices because the defense industry is one that changes every day so how can how can contractors keep their employees up to date that's a great question you know interestingly there's a lot of training out there that's free offered by the government when it comes to defense type training so for instance there's a lot of information security training that's offered for free the DOD offers free mandatory CUI training. They offer free um, insider threat training. So there's, there's a ton of training out there. You just got to go and look and see what's out there that's relevant to you. That's one way. Um, I think the other thing is, and it's interesting, I have a friend of mine that runs a company called Productivity Gladiator, and that is a very interesting company. There are very few companies out there that focus on employees as, as an asset for the company. Uh, and I know in our company, we really consider the team members probably our number one asset. So, you know, his company is kind of near and dear to my heart because what it does is it goes in and sort of trains those people on how to have some better personal and life skills, which I think is really awesome. I'd like to see him offer it as, a, as an employee benefit to employers. I think employers would snatch that up very quickly. Um, but nonetheless, I think you know, what is it that an employer can sort of do there and and, you know, supplement training from the day they come in. Obviously, there's on-the-job training. Um, I think not enough employers do cross-training. They sort of have a, a problem they have to solve. They bring that person in, they solve the problem, and then they kind of just leave them there to rot. Uh, we do a ton of cross-training here at OnCall. And a, a lot of that is because of employee retention, right? One, if we don't retain an employee, we need someone else who can cover them immediately. Number two is people want to learn. The number one challenge I've had running a high-tech company is that we really bring in some brilliantly smart people. And those brilliantly smart people, um, they want to learn and grow themselves. I mean, right? Like, yeah, they're there for the money, but the reality is that's never the only reason someone is in a job, generally speaking. I mean, they they really, you know, they're there to grow themselves. They're there to learn things. And so cross-training is one sort of built-in easy way that you can pull off a benefit for the company and a benefit from the employee. They get to learn something new. The company gets to have, you know, kind of duplicate coverage and it really, the cost is minimal to nothing. So that's one thing. Uh, I think the next thing is, and, and I just, I have to share with you, I just did this myself. Sometimes you just have to go out there and kind of buy some training for somebody, you know, um, for instance, we pay for certifications for our people. We encourage them through both monetary incentives and just general encouragement through company meetings that we want to see them grow and evolve here. Our company is growing and evolving. The people need to keep up with the company. And so they need to continue every year. If they want that raise, they've got to continue to demonstrate more and more value to being a part of the organization. So I think that's kind of another really key factor is, um, one, is it built into your company culture to encourage growth? Two, are you backing that talk with something real, like for instance, what we do is we actually pay for you know designated set of certifications uh, along that employee's upgrade path, if you will. Uh, and then I think the other thing too, and this is probably you know for my for my you know owner listeners out there, um, I got to tell you, I've spent a good bit of time learning. You know, it's interesting as a CEO. Obviously, number one job is making sure the revenue and sales come in, right? That's that's kind of our our chief goal as as CEOs. 
But, you know, another one is you've got to keep evolving. And if it's been a while since you learned something new, you know, you've got to do it. I'll give you a great example. You know, yes, I'm heavily into defense contracting and working with defense contractors, and that's our, our bread and butter. But, you know, another aspect of our company is that we've been buying several buildings uh, because our company is growing and we need to, you know, we've paid rent for 15, 20 years. And, you know, so it's time for me to take time to learn about real estate investing in the commercial space. It's not something I've really done a ton of. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's something just purely different from what I do day to day, yet has a dramatic effect on the company's stability and is a great benefit to the company. So sometimes you've got to also ask employees, what do they want to learn about and support that? And, you know, it's not easy to do it. You've certainly got to draw, you know, a dotted line back to ROI and profit. Um, but you'd be amazed at just how much more committed and helpful and hopeful, you know, employees become when they're allowed to do a little bit of self-direction in their own development. Um, they, they really appreciate that. And uh, you know what, I think it's just something where they, they stick around longer because of it and they become better workers with more skills. Um, I think the final thought is, <clears throat> and, and this is just sort of a, maybe a, maybe a lesson that I've experienced, which is um, I think not enough bosses in general do enough delegation. Um, I'm not talking about just making someone do all the work, but what I am talking about is the trust, but verify method. You know, that's what they say in the military is trust, but verify. I think that people in the private sector are very guarded about delegation. And the reality is the fastest way to growth is to empower the team members to be independent, productive team members, show them what the goal line is, uh, continue to move the goalposts when you need to, but then go empower them to do it themselves instead of you being the person that goes and does the work and kind of takes all the glory for it. That I think has been one of my big, you know, when we were transitioning from a small business to a medium-sized business. That was probably the defining change that was made was I backed out of the way and really, um, you know, just really frankly got out of my own way, you know, and then I was able to see if the company could actually run on its own without me. And then we began to evolve and, you know, we probably wouldn't be anywhere near as far along. I think we're probably further than just about anybody else in the, in the defense compliance space if it wasn't for the fact that I have nearly all of my time to spend dedicated to helping drive programs forward and figure out what the next thing is. I think if, if the company didn't, you know, if I wasn't willing to empower those people, um, you know, it just, it just wouldn't happen. And why do people not do that? They don't do that because they perceive there to be risk in allowing someone else to handle what is theirs. I think that's false. I, I think that, um, you know, I think that's uh, something that is a false misnomer in a lot of people's heads when it comes to business, you've always got to verify the work got done correctly and take feedback very seriously. But, you know, you've, you've got to let go. Uh, you've got to share that glory with somebody else. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. De delegation and cross training. All those are great, are great ways to, to help keep your, keep your employees up to date. I, I absolutely agree. So developing a skilled workforce, like every other sector of, of a business is not without its challenges. What are the challenges faced by defense contractors in, in developing a, a sustainable workforce and how can they proactively address these challenges? Great question. You know, I think one of the big challenges is there's a lot of sort of red tape and rules when it comes to defense contracting. Um, the sales is more challenging. You've really got to be writing proposals that are in a specified format. Um, you're going to lose a lot of a lot of bids and proposals when you're in defense contracting, you know, but like all sales, it is a numbers game. You know, it, it is something that I think you have to, 
you have to understand that there's a lot of losing uh, when it comes to winning. And, and that's, that's, I don't think anything is different, you know, when it comes to sports practice, developing a company in private sector, any of that stuff, you just have to understand that you're going to need to get good at the proposal writing process. And that's different than any other kind of business. Second thing is, is that, you know, you are going to require some unique skill sets. So I think you've got to build into your proposals more profit to be able to compensate your people better in defense. It's probably one of the reasons why I really like defense. I think the people in defense generally are happier. They get paid more. Um, there's always work to do. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a very challenging place to be, which I think a lot of people really like. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think I think that's it. And then I think, you know, the company has a significant challenge. For instance, in manufacturing, you've got to continually send your people off to AutoCAD training you know, and, and getting to know the latest digital systems that are ultimately going to make the company way more efficient at what they do. So I think there's there's sort of that element of it too. So I think that it's really a burden on any company to continue developing their workforce and keeping them engaged. But I think in defense, it's an even bigger burden. And then of course, there's all of the rules and things you can and can't do when it comes to DFARS and NIST compliance. Uh, you know, as a defense contractor, you've got to have information security at the forefront of any effort. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. So <laughs> before we get to our dumb question, before our, our silly question, no questions there are no, no dumb questions. Um, I We've talked about, you've talked about other CEOs and how and what they're looking for. And as a CEO yourself, when you're trying to build out, when, when you're trying to grow, when you're trying to build out your workforce, what kind of things do you look look for? I mean, that's a really great question. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you that I wish that, uh, you know, one of our HR people, Andrew, was on this call with me. He, he'd probably have a, a better answer than I would. But, um, you know, what do we look for? We look for quality individuals who are, frankly, into our mission. I mean, that's there's a lot of different things you look for. You look for, can they do the job? Are they capable? And we've certainly got questionnaires and things like that that we go through. We have routines to figure out if people are capable. I find that the number one thing that helps is when I can ask them in our case, you know, our company is there to help defend those who defend our country. That's what we do. We help defense contractors not get attacked. We help them win more business. Uh, we help them succeed in defense contracting. Um, if they're into that mission, that's 90% of it. Um, I think you also look for the, the trademark or telltale things that are concerning. You look for people that hop around a lot of jobs, you look for people that um, have nonchalant answers that show up late to interviews. I mean, I'll tell you, it's really hard to show up late to a Zoom interview. And we usually do our first <laughs> one virtually. Uh, we have a lot of virtual employees as well. Um, if you can't show up to a Zoom meeting on time, it's just like an instant no-go to me. Not because I have a problem with you being two minutes late to a meeting, but because that's your first impression with me. And that's not good. It's so, easy to set an alarm on your phone. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. And listen, I've been late to Zoom meetings before, so I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but you know, in a job interview, it's an example of what you are at your best, right? Um, I, I think that for a lot of applicants, the other thing that can be difficult in the interview process is they're nervous. Um, who you talk to in that first interview is not going to be who you hire. Um, they're going to have a good facade up. And so we like to do two or three interviews at least. Um, if they're local, I like to take them to lunch. I like to see what it's like to have a meal with them, but that's old school. And I don't know that that's really so commonplace anymore. 
And it I would probably, be. yeah, it should be, but we reserve that for some of our higher level, you know, executives and VP type people. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, man, it's really, it, it heavily weights on how into the mission they are and then what is their skill set. And then I think another thing is we have a couple of questions that try to diagnose, um, you know, are they teachable? Are they humble enough to, to think that they don't know everything? And are they willing to be taught? Because if they're not willing to be taught, then you're going to kind of wind up, um, you're going to wind up in a situation where you're just not going to be able to really get more than what you had on day one. Yeah. I mean, what else do I look for? I look for someone that I think would fit our culture as well. I'll give you a great example. Uh, we have a big gaming culture, you know, at our company behind the scenes. Uh, we encourage that. We think it's good. It builds camaraderie. And um, I, I think, you know, you work better with family, you work better with friends. And I think that's, you know, so we look for people who are into that kind of stuff. You find that a lot in IT cultures. Um, and you you look for people who want to help, you know, you you look for people who are proactive and say like, man, I really like, I want to be a part of bettering the world and bettering whatever it is that's partial to the mission of the company. And I think from there, you know, you break down into more job specific related things. So now that we've covered all the bases, all the, all the, all the serious stuff, all the stuff that bring people to the podcast, probably now we have a little bit of fun. So when, when we talk about retention, employee retention and, and bringing in the right people and, and keeping them around and preparing them, what if instead of job titles, how, how about giving employees cool superhero names who wouldn't want to be captain compliance or data defender or, or uh, HR man, you know? You know, I mean, I'll tell you around our company, we have some, uh, we have a few people with names like that. You know, they call me the fearless leader. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's, you know, so I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with nicknames. The bottom line is, um, uh, you know what, we, we make, we make it happen. And we, and I'll tell you what, you know, it's, it's very, it's a striking question because we have a lot of that hero themed, uh, both in and out of our company around who we are, right? We, we make our clients into compliance heroes. That's a big exactly. part of our branding. Um, people are, uh, people are watching on YouTube. There's a, the YouTube background back there behind you. It has a shield on the framed picture that looks, that's made specifically to look similar to Captain America's. Yeah, so. 100%. It's huge. And, um, you know, and that's, and that's what we want to do. We want to make people feel like heroes, you know, when they choose to work with us, they are the hero, right? We're empowering them to solve these challenging compliance issues and, um, working right alongside them, like Robin and Batman. So, you know, yeah, it's huge. We have a lot of that going on. And then I think, you know, the next thing is we certainly also have superheroes within our own you know, within our own company. I mean, I don't think we really have anybody, honestly, that's not a hero. I mean, you know, whether you're doing data analytics for us or whether you're, you know, doing, you know, you know, one of one of our compliance uh, consultants or, you know, one of our one of our folks on service desk, like, there's no such thing as a person in our company that's not a hero. We let them know that. You know, we're really really big into making sure that people know just how valued they are because they are heroes to our clients. And, um, you know, it's, I don't take that lightly. I think it's a big deal. And I think people, you know, people get sad and quit jobs when they don't understand the huge value that they bring. And I think one of the challenging things for any boss in any position, but really like if you're supervising people, I think one of your number one activities should be looking for the good that they're doing in a week and making sure that they've heard from you at least once about great stuff you've done. I mean, 
you know, I, I think if you do that, at, at least in my experience, and again, I'm no expert, but my wife does have a PhD in, in human resources management. So maybe I do have a little bit of maybe above average expertise for the typical insight, yeah. person. Um, so I get to hear about it every night. Uh, is, uh, you know, if you want to build a great long-term culture, if you want to be an awesome place to work, or if you just want to be a great person to work for, uh, find a way to make sure that your people know that they're appreciated. If you do that one thing, everybody's life is great. You know, your life is better because you're doling out positive vibes. Their life is better because, well, look, let's be honest, you know, finding a, you know, being told you're appreciated is just not something that most people really get to hear enough. And they're sitting there eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, busting their butts for you. So it really does help to hear that once in a while. So, you know, I share that to say, uh, I, I think that's one thing that if you just really want to succeed, especially as a defense contractor, because the work is relentless. Um, I think that's one thing you can do, whether you're a boss, a manager, doesn't, you know, owner, doesn't matter. Make sure your people know they're appreciated. 100%. As we talked about on a previous episode, that can be the most valuable thing that you do. Um, and that wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and the inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for coming on once again and telling us the importance of proper employee training, employee retention, and bringing in the right people for your, for your workforce. Thanks, Mike. Hey, it's my pleasure, Roman. Great to talk to you as always. But the conversation does not end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, what should they do, Mike? Like, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hit us up on your favorite podcast platforms to be the very first to know when new episodes are released. And we truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to, as Mike said, rate, review, comment on the show. Let us know what you like. It helps us bring you more high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.